I chose wisdom. I, I believed that if I lost everything else, if I had wisdom, I could get it back. Every leader faces challenges on a daily basis, and the way we navigate those challenges can make a deep and lasting impact for time and eternity. We're helping leaders discover practical tools based on biblical principles and helping you create like-minded communities who will walk with you as you lead your organization to health. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. friend. I'm your host, Peter Hartzell. Welcome to the podcast today. We are pleased to be with you and excited to be diving into part eight in our Other Forms of Currency uh, series. And today we're going to be talking about wisdom. <clears throat> and uh, the last, gosh, the last seven episodes were uh, this Other Forms of Currency series we recorded in Colorado. And I think it's, I think we're onto something. <laughs> I think we're onto something really cool here because I'm realizing as we record an episode about other forms of currency, we come to find, hey, there's another form and there's another form. <laughs> Money is not, certainly not the only cur currency out there. Um, and so today we're talking about wisdom. Uh, earlier this week, Phil and I were chatting about Solomon, King Solomon, and how you know he had the opportunity to ask God for just about anything. God basically gave him a blank check and said, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you ask for, basically. And he said, uh, I want wisdom. And instead of asking for power or influence or money or whatever, or wives, <laughs> he, he asked for wisdom. And uh, I don't think he exercised wisdom in his, uh, with his wives very much, but, but he certainly was considered the wisest man to ever live. And he certainly had the most influence in that era. I would, I would venture to say that his influence uh, in that culture and in that time was uh, cumulatively more influential than any leader ever in history. Um, so it, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty heavy thing. So wisdom. Uh, Phil, let's talk about wisdom today. Yeah, you know, I suppose we could say then whatever areas of life we've sought wisdom, that's where we're going to get it. <clears throat> and where we haven't, that's where we won't. It's just that simple. Mm. So uh, the, the Bible... Well, especially Proverbs says over and over that wisdom is greater than, and it's greater than so many things. But I'm going to start with a, a story, and I'm just going to tell you ahead of time where we're going. I'm going to start with the story, and then I'm going to share some where I think the sources of wisdom come from, and then share a few more stories, and then end, end up with where actually where I'm at right now. I'm in a really hard place seeking wisdom. And so if you're listening, it's, it's, this, maybe this was God sent for you too, because you, you're, maybe you're in a hard place and you don't know where to turn. So, so here we go. Um, back in around 2004, our family was in a really, really dark place. Uh, so you may know that I grew up in a non-Christian home. I grew up in a Jewish home. And I spent many years searching for a God that might not even exist. And then I met God in, I, I took a lot of drugs. I, I, I saw a lot of darkness. I saw a lot of violence and tried even witchcraft and Eastern religions. And ended up meeting Jesus in 1974 and, and didn't know, I was getting involved in a, 
that's uh, we had nine children. We lived in the poorest county in Tennessee, and didn't realize that the church we were in was really dysfunctional. Uh, I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about having a strong work ethic and about being family centered. Uh, about personal discipline. It was the poorest county in Tennessee. I learned a lot about how to make do with nothing. And but my my journey with God actually was happening more through my work. That's where I I really connected more with God and outside of church than inside the church. So in after 26 years in 2000 we left and we were in a very dark disillusioned place. I, I I still believe the Bible was true. We didn't have a church. We had tried several churches, and we were just really disillusioned, hostile. In the meantime, my uh, my father had died, and he had committed suicide in 1975. And my my mother died in 2003. My wife's mother died in 2004. And and so here we were. And, and we inherited a lot of money at the time, and it was probably somewhere around a million dollars. And so picture me there having all this money that I really didn't know how to manage. I mean, imagine you going, some of you there who have nothing or you're in debt, and, and then suddenly having that much money and, and, and realizing that's all that's left of your parents and not knowing how to manage it. So in desperation, I turned to a, uh, a wealth management class in, in California that I had read about on the internet. And I went there and it was a, it was a year long program that taught us how to, how to accumulate wealth, how to manage wealth, how to, how to dream, uh, how to, uh, start from where you're at to where you want to go and create a map to get there, which some things that I took away that I still use today. But in one of the one of our sessions, we went to California three times. There were 40 of us in, from around the world. And in, in one of our sessions, she took us through an exercise to uh, help us understand what our values were. So it looked something like this. And those of you who've been through the exercise will know what I'm talking about. You have a stack of cards, and each card has the name of a value on it, like fun, family, uh, uh, exercise, physical health, diet, integrity. And so there is probably 50, 75 cards, and we were to quickly go through the stack of cards and on one on one stack put what we think describes us, what we think is valuable. And on the other side, just put, well, that's not me. Like, for example, I'm not a fun person. So I didn't put fun in there. It, it wasn't me. Uh, while I exercise and I take care of myself, exercise isn't one of my, like, this is what I want to do. So we, she said, now you need to boil it down to 10, 10 different values and then she, she gave us this story that you got kidnapped and carried to another planet. <laughs> and you, you've got five minutes to pack. And in that five minutes, you can only take five of your values with you. 
So you have to in you have five minutes to cut out which values you're not going to take. So I did that. I'm not sure I remember which ones they were. And then she said, um, you try to escape from your captors. And so they tell you, you can only keep three of your values. And, and then she said, so we were down to three now, and it was a kind of a painful exercise. And then she said, just for fun, of those three values, which is the one? If you could only have one value, which value would you keep? And I chose wisdom. I, I believed that if I lost everything else, if I had wisdom, I could get it back. And I didn't know that much about wisdom, but it was just sort of intuitive. And I'm, I'm not saying everybody will choose wisdom, but that's been my journey. And so I'm going to share with you some things about my own personal journey with wisdom. I, I believe that there's, I, I know of at least three sources for wisdom. And one is directly from the Bible probably most specifically from the book of Proverbs, and two is from wise counsel, and that's drawing from the wisdom that others have. And then the third source is reflecting back on when God spoke to you, when God gave you wisdom, reflecting back on your own experiences and, and, and asking yourself what were the commonalities there because uh, because wisdom is hard to find. The Bible says that it's like hidden treasures and you have to dig for it. You have to dig really hard. So one, one passage that has been very strong to me, it's in James 1, and it says, if you need wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you, and he won't rebuke you for asking. And so I have many times just had that desperate prayer. God, I don't know what to do. I am, I'm totally at a loss. Many nights I'd be awake as I was running our company and I'd be desperate or just our family or even for my own life. I don't know what to do. And I, and I came back to this verse to ask God. I don't know how God gives wisdom. He does it his way. And then it says, when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver because a person with divided loyalty is unsettled and blown and tossed by the wind, and such people should not expect to receive anything from God because their heart and their loyalty is divided. And so he's saying there, put your focus 100% on God. Don't have a plan B. Don't say, just in case God doesn't go th come through, this is what I'm going to do. So, and I'm, I'm going to invite you to this, that whether or not you're a believer— because wisdom is available, uh, whether you're a believer or not, but just in desperation. And, and God, you just may meet God and he will convince you. That's one way. Uh, uh, wis like Peter mentioned, Solomon asked for wisdom. So as, as, I've, as I've read in Proverbs, and, and let, me, let me come back to, Practically everybody that I know who teaches how to bring God into the workplace, how to have a godly workplace, says you should start in Proverbs. And there's a cheat in Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. So 
you read the proverb chapter for the day of the month. Start there. And it's amazing. And that's what we did in 2013. We just started reading in Proverbs and everyone was equal. There was no one who was like the senior pastor or the CEO of this this project. And it was all an experiment. It was all just like, let's look in it and see what we get. And it was amazing. First of all, our anxiety levels went down. There, there was a bond that happened between us. But there again, I think if you just stood, stood around a campfire every morning uh, mm-hmm. before work, you would get the same bond. So that could have been a coincidence. But what wasn't a coincidence was we started reading things in Proverbs that actually worked. Like Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. And so we built a lot of our company on that, on having a good plan before we worked hard. Uh, Proverbs 22.1, Truett Cathy built his company on a good reputation is better than great riches. So there, there was just a lot of stuff in there I could go on and on, but I don't want to go, that would be a rabbit trail right now. I don't want to go into that. Uh, but j- just that wisdom uh, in Proverbs, it's very non-threatening. Uh, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church. There's no theological arguments there. There's no uh, prophecy. There's no eschatology. It is just simply practical advice. Proverbs itself says that wisdom was the architect's blueprint and specs on how life works. So wisdom is just basically a handbook on how like life works. And so God created that. It was like he created the plan of how life works before he created life and before he created the world. So it's like going back to the owner's manual, the manufacturer's manual, uh, if you're if you're working on something to see how they made it and to see how it works. Yes. So um, again, the best wisdom comes from from God, from the Bible, starting in Proverbs. But then also the the best some of the best wisdom comes if you're seeking wisdom. And if you know others who are seeking wisdom, they're going to get different wisdom than you get. They're going to get different perceptions. You don't have the capacity. Many times when you face tough decisions, you don't have the capacity to gather enough wisdom to make those decisions. So you need to bring people into your life who have also gathered wisdom in that area. We call them mountain guides. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're people, not people who have taken classes but people who have actually been through these things and they've gathered their own wisdom. I just want to take a little side trail here that that sometimes the theologies and and resumes and degrees are are about as good as the paper they're on. They're, They're thin. They're paper thin. But somebody who has truly had life experiences and gained wisdom from it, they will add to, multiply, expand your wisdom to beyond the wisdom that just you have. And then, and then the third one is to process your own experiences. And what did I gain from that? So as we were looking for church, a church, that was what we did many times. We, we just sought wisdom from godly people. We processed our own past experiences, and we got in the Word. Uh, When we were looking for where to put our shop, I had been looking at seven different locations. Some had buildings and some didn't. And 
we we lived 80 miles from from here and so i drove up and i stayed in a cheap motel at night and i just drove around day after day looking at different sites and and sometimes crying myself to sleep it's just like how can i make a decision i really don't know how to do this they were all looked like good locations they all looked like it was something we could afford we didn't have debt we had accumulated this wealth from from our inheritance and what it was just like i had a lot of this but there, but there was nothing that was bringing me peace and so I kept agonizing and agonizing. And then I was looking in, in another town close to here. And that's where we really wanted to live. There was a church there that we really loved. And people kept saying, go to St. James. They're offering free land in St. James. And I said, there's no such thing as free land. I'm not really looking to St. James. And enough people said it that one night I finally said, okay, I'm going to call the mayor of St. James. So I called the mayor and I said, I heard you're giving away free land and in the industrial park. And he said, it's not really free. He said, you're going to have to meet with the board. Well, I had never met with the board. He said, you're going to have to present a business plan. I didn't even know what a business plan was. But as we talked, the last thing he said was, we just want St. James to be a safe place for our children and grandchildren to come to work. And it was as though I was standing in a hallway full of doors. And each option I had was a door to go through, but all the doors were locked. And I was trying, I had all these keys that I was trying in all these doors. And, and I didn't know what to do. And when the mayor said that, it was like the key went in and that door opened. Hmm. And wow. I told my wife and we were both in tears. So we knew to move forward. We didn't know to move to St. James. We just knew, okay, this door is open. Let's take the next step. So we met with the board. I put together a business plan. And I think I actually came across it the other day. And we didn't know what a business plan was, but I thought, you know, if they want St. James to be a family town, I'm going to bring my family. So I did. <laughs> at the time, we had eight children at home and we met in a courtroom. And in uh, it's the St. James City Hall, and we presented to them, and and then they called us back, and they offered us. They, it wasn't really free, but they offered us a really good price for this piece of land, and and so that door opened, and then many. Wow. I remember just feeling a deep peace from God, hmm. and many nights I would go over to that piece of land in the middle of the night. My wife would go to, with me too, and we just prayed, and we just felt a peace there. It just felt like sacred ground. It would be like the middle of the night. The, the, the property is right on the interstate. We'd hear the trains going by in the night. And it just, it just, there was something, there was a deep peace that we found. And it came through just agonizing before God. I was reading the Bible at the time. I was taking a lot of notes. And, and, and enough people told me to go check it out. So I want to tell you another story about a man named Stephen Scott who had failed in business nine times. And Gary Smalley, some of you may know him, he was a, a marriage, uh, a guy who, who gave a lot of really good marriage uh, seminars and counseling. 
And Gary was staying at his house one night, and he had, and Gary he told Gary about all of his failures. And Gary told him, if you read Proverbs, if you just start reading Proverbs and applying it, apply the chapter of the day. So like today is the 11th and of, of February. If you just read chapter 11, like look at your calendar, wherever you're listening, what's the day? Read the chapter and read it as a group. Read it with your wife or your spouse your family, just read it as a group. If you're seeking wisdom, read that chapter. And, and then what, what, what is God highlighting to you? And then do it every day. Just keep doing it. So he did that. And that was a complete turnaround for him. Wow. So he just, he just, and today he wrote a book called the richest man who ever lived. <laughs> and, and he's a, I don't know him, but I, I just know if you look him up online, his name is Stephen Scott. He's a very wealthy man. And so Andy Mason has a, this, this really wonderful course called What Now, God? You can look it up. Um, and, and he was, it's how to hear from God. Uh, at, at age 72 and with all of my, uh, with all of my, proven track record. I've had a lot of failures. I've had a lot of successes, but I still am never done learning more ways to hear from God. And Andy did a survey. He was putting together this course and he did a survey. I think there were 40 leaders and he asked those leaders like on a one to 10 scale, how many of you right now are at a place of where things are just sailing really good and things are there. Uh, yeah, things are just fitting in place and, and you're just really uh, getting good momentum. And that would be like a one, two, three. And how many of you are really struggling right now? You're facing some impossibilities, uh, even, even to the point of feeling like you could sink. And and if you don't get a, a, an answer right now, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to be done. You're going to evaporate. You're going to be broken, which is what a lot of people don't know is what goes on behind the scenes. People don't realize how vulnerable our businesses are and how how vulnerable leaders are. Anyway, so he asked these 40 leaders, whatever it was, like a one is things are going really good. A 10 is I am really struggling right now with something specific. And he was amazed that practically all of them gave a seven or an eight. Wow. So what we talk about struggling leaders, and this is the place where you can come to admit that you're struggling. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I want to go to the David, the story of David in Ziklag. So David had, he was running from his father-in-law, his father-in-law and 3000 soldiers of the best soldiers were chasing him. And it was because his father-in-law was jealous. It was just, there was, David hadn't done anything wrong. He was a good man, but they were chasing him and they wanted to kill him. And so David was hiding out in this town called Ziklag. And David and his, his, his friends had gone out and fought a battle and come back. And the, the whole town was burned. And all the women and children and animals were gone. So there, there he is, David, and, and David, you know, he's wondering, what am I doing? And 
I'm sure he wondered, uh, according to the Bible, he was somewhere around 11 when he was anointed king, but he was like 37 when he perceived that he was king. So he was just like, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't have a clue what's going on. And and so at that, at, then his people, the men that were with, with him, said they were going to kill him. So he had nothing. And the Bible says he he encouraged himself in the Lord. Man, I sure wish he would have written a, a little book on how to do that. Because uh, there's times when it's not like Ziklag, but things that it feels as bad as Ziklag sometimes. But where, where I'm going with this story is that David, instead of telling his men, first he encouraged himself in the Lord, which gave him hope. Someone said that the person with the most hope has the most influence. So David got his hope back in God. And then instead of telling his men, let's go after them, he paused. He asked for the priest to come. And he asked the priest, what should I do? Seek God for me. So, so David basically did what James said. When you lack wisdom, go to God and he'll give it to you. So he paused to hear from God. I can't imagine the trauma and the turmoil that was going on in David's heart and, and just all the noise that was going on around him and the distress and the grief. Their wives and children, everything was gone that he was willing to pause and ask the priest to give him, tell him what God was saying. Well, God told him to go, and then he'd get everything back. So that's that's it's a really good example. I found 14 places in the Bible where David asked for God's wisdom. Hmm. So I, I've done searches in the Bible of when did uh, the people in the Bible ask for wisdom, and God never, ever let them down when they asked for wisdom. So... We, we, we need to let wisdom be, be our compass. So you think of a, a, a GPS recalibrating, and it, it, based on your current situation, your current resources, and what you're, where you're going, where do you want to end up? What is the one, what's the wisest thing you can do right now? That's a quote from Andy, Andy Stanley. Based on your current situation, your current resources, and where you believe God wants you to travel toward, what is the wisest thing you can do right now? Then, then, then the third thing is, is reflecting back. So I am currently in a very difficult place. I'm, I'm in, a, in, in a place that would rank in the top three of the most difficult places I've ever been in. The situation I'm in, I'm I'm dealing with some, some. Well, I'm. I'll just be honest. I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety. Uh, I have uh, ever since I was a child, and this may go back many generations. I have, uh, I've just had this debilitating anxiety, and and that anxiety is what drove me to pursue God. I. I uh, and it, it was exacerbated by all the abuse that I went through as a child, or maybe that's what caused the anxiety and insecurity. But in my youth, I pursued women. I pursued drugs, alcohol. I pursued literature, music. I was homeless. I was wild. I was looking for some way 
to medicate that anxiety. And then when I met Jesus, I found a measure of peace, but I still had that underlying anxiety. And so then I found that there's some of us, some of you listening may live with that, that debilitating perpetual anxiety that sometimes it goes away, but sometimes it comes back. And, and you've done everything you can. Like I've been for counseling. I've been, I've had the demons cost, cast out. I exercise every day, eat well. I, I don't have any addictions. I don't have any moral failure or uh, there, I'm, not, I'm not financially corrupt. I have no secrets, but I still deal with that, that perpetual debilitating anxiety that comes and goes. And one thing I found that really helps me keep that anxiety in remission is spending time in the Word and learning more and more ways to go into the Word and to get to know God more deeply. Spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, spending time with others who are seeking God's wisdom and serving others. I found that serving others is uh, is one of the greatest ways to to pour into others. Sometimes the very thing that I need, mm. I give away. But I found that that keeps that anxiety in remission. But right now, I'm in a season where that anxiety is off the charts, mm. and so I'm I'm seeking God's answers. Mm. So so that's where I'm at. And so this morning, my wife and I just just took some extra time. And just reflected back, and we just just got in the quiet and closed our eyes, and we said, what were some of the most beautiful moments of our lives? And where was Jesus there? Because as reflecting back, a lot of times you can reflect back. When you're making the decision, you don't know whether you're making a right decision. But reflecting back, you can look back and say, that was the right decision. Mm. Like when my wife and I met, and that's another story for another day. But the most beautiful moment of my life is my wife and I are standing behind a waterfall. The waterfall is falling in front of us. And we were both just two lonely 20-something-year-olds who were just searching for something. We were, we were looking for something that had meaning in life, more than money, more than pursuing power, position. She came from a home where there was a lot of wealth and, and, and people held high positions. I came from a home where there was a lot of fighting and greed. But what drew us together was we were both searching for something that had more substance than that. And the day after we met, we had just met at midnight the night before. The day after we met, we were standing under a waterfall, like behind a waterfall in Virginia, and that was one of the happiest moments in my life. And I could see Jesus actually standing in the waterfall, smiling. Wow. That, and my wife and I have been together for 48 years. Yeah. We've been married for 46 years. It's been some rough years. Hmm. But I believe that, that Jesus was willing to guide us through. And he still smiled in spite of all the dysfunction and the conflicts that we've been through, he has brought us through. 
Yeah. Another time when God showed up was the moment that I, I realized that I was, that God wanted us to put our shop in St. James, Missouri. Another time that's coming to fresh to mind right now was in 1982. I had been seeking for something, a way to make a living for my family. And I had tried a lot of different things. We were in the poorest county in Tennessee, couldn't afford groceries. We had to raise our own food, couldn't afford a barber. My wife cut our hair. She made our clothes. And, and I was building a house. It was very crude carpentry, building a house for our, our UPS driver. And I asked him if I could start building his cabinets from my basement. And, and that night, on, on a gravel floor with an old rickety table saw and a rough lumber workbench, that I, I did, did just I just knew at that moment that woodworking was what God wanted me to do, and just so looking back at that, and I believe, and and that started, it started at first in a neighbor's pig pen, then in half of an old house, but it was confirmed in that basement in 1982, and our our company in in nine, in 2022 will face its 40th, 40th anniversary. And I have no doubt that God was there and that 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 was him calling me. And, and I could just retrace all the steps of how God brought the right people and created miracles and how our workplace hired unemployable people and changed many lives, including mine. And so this is where I sit, folks, right now, as I'm sitting in the middle of this decision, waiting to hear from, hear clearly from God. And so I hope that one time God told me, I, I was doing jail ministry years ago, and I, uh, I, so I'd go to the jail and I'd bring my sermon. I was a wannabe preacher, and I had a captive audience. I didn't believe I should be doing ministry. I wasn't fit to do ministry. But the Holy Spirit kept urging me to go to the jail. And so finally one day I gave in, and I went to the jail, and, and when I got in there, the guys said, hey, Phil, what you got for us today? I said, I have nothing for you today. I said, I, I, my family's falling apart. My life is falling apart right now. And I lay in bed thinking about you in this jail, this county jail, and everything I did in the last 24 hours, just about, you can't do. You can't pet your dog. You can't be with your wife or your child. You can't decide what to eat. You can't check your phone. You can't even go out in the sunlight. And you guys are handling this place better than I would. And so I don't know why I'm here. I just came because God told me to come. And they said, we are just so glad to see you. And in that moment, Jesus spoke to me. He said, when I was in prison, you visited me. It's not a misprint. He didn't say, when I was in prison, you preached to me. He said, when I was in prison, you visited me. And at that moment, God spoke to me and said, when you minister to others, don't bring bread, just be the bread. And so what I'm doing right now with you is I'm not bringing you bread. I'm not giving you information from an outline. I am being the bread. I'm in the middle of my own struggle right now and sharing it with you. And hopefully by being in the middle of my struggle and sharing it with you, hopefully that will bring you to the throne of God where you can seek wisdom for yourself. 
it's it's it, you know this is such a good uh I, I love that you know not bringing the bread but being the bread it's it's literally the exact same thing that david did in psalm 23 when he was in the middle of and we were just talking about this before we started recording when david was in the middle of the turmoil of king saul chasing him down and trying to kill him because he was jealous david writes this psalm that if you didn't know his circumstance you would think man this guy was was living large like he he had a great relationship with god he was at peace with himself you know even though he had enemies around he was at rest you know even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil cuz you're with me your rod and your staff they comfort me i mean these these are words that seem like they're written after you've gone through a hard season and you're like man god was so faithful to me in that i'm feeling good now what you don't what a lot of people forget is that david was in the midst of turmoil and what he was realizing is that in the middle of like as he was currently walking through the valley of the shadow of death he was saying i will fear no evil cuz you are with me and you will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies my cup overflows like those are those are really strong word pictures that really describe a deep spiritual and emotional understanding of the faithfulness and the goodness and the presence of god in the middle uh, of the chaos and and turmoil, like you were saying, you know, uh, rather than just like in this podcast, we're not here to say, you know what, we, we're the mountain guides. We've been, you know, we've been to the top of the mountain. Everything's good up here. Come along. We're doing good. It's like, no, this is, this is something that we are, you know, both you and I personally are walking through some real challenging things in life right now as we're recording this podcast. And probably by the time, you know, if you're listening to this podcast in six months from the date we recorded it or a year, maybe we've worked through it and we're on to another uh, series of, of challenges, but we've got a new, um, it's, it's, uh, I've been, it's, the words I've been using with my wife is like, it's not that we're leveling up in our spirituality, but it's like, we're, we're establishing a new base camp. You know, it, it, our, our base camp, once we go through a challenging season, we ask God for wisdom and he, he gives it to us. And then we, we walk through a challenging season in a godly way. Then we can look back on that experience and, and realize we just set up base camp at a new place. Mm, that's good. And we've, we've got a whole new set of tools. So we're using the mountain guide um, kind of word picture and when, when, and I know this, I don't know this from experience, but I've seen documentaries and I know that when, when people go to climb Mount Everest, they will go up to a new base camp and they will acclimate. They'll have to stay at that place for a period of time. I believe we even talked about this in a previous podcast, but, um, and then they'll spend some time at that base camp to let their body acclimate, to get used to the altitude. And then when they're ready, then their mountain guide will take them up another level to another base camp. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily summiting the mountain and then in one straight push. It means that they are in the process of heading to the summit. And, mm -hmm. and there, is a, there is a process of working through challenges. Uh, David realized, you know what, I can right now submit to the fear and the anxiety and the, the, all of the challenges that are going to uh, that are facing me, I can just roll over and submit to them and crumble. Or I can be strengthened in the Lord and I can speak the truth of the word over myself, even though maybe I don't feel it right now. 
it's not about whether or not I feel this is true. It's true regardless of my feelings. And I can either buy in or not. I can either push through and trust that God's word is true, or I can say, you know what? I don't feel like it's true, so it's probably not, and and roll over. And if he had done that, the stories that would have come from that moment forward, uh, like you said, David perceived he was king when he was about, you know, in his early 30s. Um, before he actually took the throne. So he had to decide if if God really is calling me to be king, I have two options. I can either persevere and press through this and trust that he's going to take me there, or I can just say, you know what, God, you missed, you got the wrong guy here. Uh, don't, I'm not, I'm not fit for this or I'm not cut out to do this. And we probably would, it would have, David was in the direct line of Jesus. There was a very clear reason why David was called. And, and I believe God, for you listening, I believe God has called you to some very specific things. And he desires for you to say yes to his word and to, and to rest and rely on him. And if you don't, then the things that he has for you, and, and you don't know the generations to come, uh, what impact this decision you are making right now feel for you. I mean, even the decision that you make right now with all the things you're going through, you don't know what impact that's going to have on the generations to follow and the people that we're influencing through this this uh, podcast and through Struggling Leader. So I think that that puts a lot of this in perspective. And I think we should reflect on that a little bit because I've just become so keenly aware that the decisions that you make in secret will affect future generations and they may not even know that you were the one who made the decision that that a lot of times uh you may you may or may not be remembered as their godly grandpa Hmm. but the decisions that you make in secret will affect their destiny and that's a lot of the inheritance that we leave behind sure to our children is not the money and if they're fighting over the money they're fighting over the wrong thing what our children need to inherit is how we fought for wisdom, how we fought to make the right choices. Because the choices that we made, the churches that we joined, the way the directions that we took definitely affected their destiny, their trajectories. It affected who they married, who their friends would be, the lifestyle they were going to live the secret decisions that we made, the decisions that I made, which was a lot of little decisions and big decisions to not turn to drugs, to not turn to alcohol, women, suicide has been one of my temptations. Those decisions to not turn to that, but to turn to to God, that's the inheritance that my grandchildren will inherit if they want it, is to turn to God for wisdom when they don't have it, when they lack it, and they will. They, they will lack wisdom many, many times during, during their lifetime. So my grandchildren, this is for you. This is for you who are future grandparents, that it's, it's more than just about you, that the, the battles you fight and the decisions you make, our children may never know about, and they may not even be grateful for it. But it's still a battle that needs to be fought. And the only reward may be when you're in heaven, mm. when you get that reward. You may not live to see the, the outcome of the choices that you've made. Yeah. So coming full circle, if you lack wisdom, 
what not if when you lack wisdom come to god and get it i've discovered three ways to find wisdom one is to go to god and spend time in the word two is to tap into the wisdom of others and three is to reflect back on my own experiences you may know of a few more but whatever you got to do do what you got to do to get wisdom well, I think that is a great way to wrap up our conversation today on wisdom and this, uh, you know, it is another form of currency. We didn't really touch on it as a form of currency in this, although I think it's pretty clear why when you have wisdom, when you have a, attained a certain measure of wisdom on a particular topic, when you become a mountain guide, then you actually have something to offer. I think you touched on that in the beginning, Phil, when when you look to a mountain guide, you're not looking to somebody that's got the the diploma that says that they learned everything in a classroom. You're looking for the person that's actually been there. So if you have achieved some level of uh, uh, experience in a particular thing, you have wisdom to give and to offer others. And when you are searching for wisdom, you can look to others that have that have been where you want to go. And we... Uh, we find that in life, I mean, if, if we're pursuing money or we're pursuing wealth or fame or power, then uh, we're going to be singularly minded or, or sing singularly driven or focused. And that's the only thing that will motivate us. But when we recognize that the, all the stuff that we're doing here on this earth is not for ourselves, but it's, it's in one sense to make God famous, <laughs> to... Uh, preach the truth in the word and to also create a, a godly legacy for our family and uh, to teach others to love and to serve God with their whole heart, their whole mind, and all their strength. So, well, thank you guys for joining us on the podcast today, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Leaders Podcast as we journey together toward healthy biblical leadership. If you're facing a particular challenge in your organization, please visit healthy-leaders.org. We would love to help you lead your organization to health.